Hi, I'm Michael Hutchins from In Excess. Thank you very much for coming backstage with Access All Areas, okay? Hope you have a good time. Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums and oh so much more. Hello, welcome into this Access All Areas, episode 139, the podcast that dives deep into all things great about our favourite band. Doing with friends around the world, patrons, listeners, avid followers, passing followers, but most importantly, my compadre B, how are you? Off the top, how's your NXS week been? My NXS week has been amazing, thank you. How has yours been? Pretty good. I've been uh, on guest acquisition uh, mode this week. I've had a, a bit of inspiration to go out and hunt down a few guests and I can share a bit more about that during the episode, B. Oh, okay. Yeah, look forward to hearing that. Um, had lots of lovely um, feedback about our lovely guest with us for the last three weeks, Gary. Everybody really enjoyed that. He said it was just like um, listening to two or three old friends having a chat. <laughs> well, that's the goal of it. You know, we try to create a, a calm environment where people can be themselves and eventually open up and, uh, you know, just hear some real honest and, and interesting information, which Gary was uh, more than uh, generous in giving, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, we all know now why um, Don't Change wasn't played at Wembley. You know, there's little yes. little nuggets like that, which was pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, look, overall, B, we made a bit of a format change last week. We thought we'd uh, mm-hmm. combine a little bit of the information, housekeeping and news to make the podcast a bit punchier, and we hope people enjoyed that. Yeah, so thank you for all your feedback. You enjoyed it. A lot of people said it actually kept you on your toes, so you were listening more. I hope you aren't falling asleep when you're listening to us, guys. <laughs> well, look, it's interesting, and uh, I must say, before we get off the bat, B, uh, is it true that you went to a festival with your daughter last weekend? I think I saw some little snaps on the uh, some of the platforms. Tell us where you went. Ben Hartsville, uh, was it? Yeah, I actually went with... James, my husband, and my two kids, Sunny and Mila. Hello, guys. I have to admit, I didn't actually get in. We're very fortunate here. (laughs) We're very fortunate here on the coast of Coffs Harbour that we can just go to the local fish and chip shop and sit on the beach and listen (laughs) to Ben Harper. I know it was. Uh, And it was one of. You did a half festival, did you? You had fish and chips. You good English girl and listen to the festival. Did did Ben uh, rip out Never Tear Us Apart? No, he didn't. He was very subdued actually. I was um okay. it's a bit disappointed he didn't. But um yeah, it was it was good and Angus and Julius Julia Stone, um Julia Stone played um and one of my favourites, which is um, you know, on a jet plane. So that was that was lovely. But, like yeah. good, they always they always that duo uh, always look like they need mm-hmm. a good steak and a and a, and a hair wash with some conditioner. <laughs> okay. A little bit, a little bit. Actually, James, my husband, went to see them when we first arrived in 2004 in Melbourne, which, funny enough, that's where you're well, from. I went in 2004. I arrived in Australia in 2004, no, Julius yeah. and Angus Stone, I think they went, I don't, I don't think they're that old. I think they've only been around about 10 yeah. years. 
must have been. We'll Maybe that's when they started. We'll have to go to Dr. Google and find out. But um, uh, mm. what else has been coming across your NXS desk this week, B? Anything that uh, you can share with the listeners? Um, let me have a look at my notes. I must must say, Hayden, I want to dedicate this episode to my dad, if I may, because he you turned can. 80. To all you listeners, actually, me and Hayden are... <laughs> It's a Saturday afternoon and we haven't recorded anything yet. So this is actually a bit of quite schedule for us. Near enough. Near enough. <laughs> so I parted with dad last night and a load of his friends, which is nice actually. He's yeah. he's a very youthful eighty year old. I hope I'm as youthful as him at eighty. A, when I saw the photo of his one of the photos you posted, if you look down at his left ear, it almost looks like he's got an earring on. <laughs> really? yes. it's not I looked closely it wasn't anything digitally enhanced or whatever there but uh, he looked like he had a great time and uh, 80 years young hey well can I just explain just how excited I am mm-hmm. this week about uh, album review this is our our 10th studio album review this week we're going to be talking about elegantly wasted. Uh, I think an album that definitely uh, holds up over time, but um, we're going to be going through this uh, review a little bit later, B, and uh, just pump where we can get a chance to talk about the songs. It's probably the the uh, episodes that I enjoy the most. What, our first one was back in um, episode two, I believe, the first yes. In Excess album. Um, that was just fantastic. I'd like to revisit that at some point, but this is my favourite album out of all of them, I must admit, because I just never get tired of it. I can keep playing it and playing it, so I'm looking forward to talking to, to you know, more you about You know, it's it. quite interesting. I think we did five album reviews in the first 20 episodes, and it's taken us 119 to the next pipe stake. <laughs> but we have, we have been... Uh, joined by a fantastic myriad of guests i think when we started this podcast out mm-hmm. we thought we might get to 30 episodes uh but then suddenly guests that came from nowhere and oh, everywhere i suppose and we were able to uh you know dive deep and chat to the band and so and- come on then tell tell the listeners who else is might might be coming on the show is your come on split okay. so we, we we do have confirmation that the very first manager of the band a guy called michael browning who i spoke to during the week is very keen to come on he's uh moving homes this week and I said, there's no real rush. We're doing elegantly waste the next three weeks. Is B actually just pouring a red wine? If you want to hear those sound effects in the background, listeners, hear those sound effects. There's no studio trickery, okay? She's on a. There go- might be some hickory. Okay. Well, this could be this. This episode could go off the scales. <laughs> B's on the uh, on the on the Sav Blanc, and I'm on the uh, the Pepsi Max. So there you go. Cheers. But uh, yeah, so Mike Browning's going to come on, and he look great career. He uh, sort of discovered, or you know, maybe initially managed in excess. He also managed Noiseworks with John Stevens, but also was one of the original founders of ACDC. So can't wait to sort of uh, dive deep on all of his exploits because um, uh, without him, some of those bands probably may not have had the funding and the uh, the pathways that they did. So he'll be on in a couple of weeks' time. How did also you also the well, I was actually watching a uh, music doc on Foxtel where they do great musical cities, and they've done one on Detroit and LA and New York and um, Chicago and London and all these places, but they did one on Melbourne, and he popped up on it, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and the first thought I had was, I hope he's still with us because you know, he'd been you know, in his uh, twilight years in his 70s plus, uh, and thankfully he was, and was able to hunt down a few little bit of uh, detective work and come up with a a contact and uh, he, he called me and uh, we were able to just exchange some details and, and set up a, a, an interview for him. So that's exciting. Uh, secondly, with our elegantly wasted deep dive uh, today, we're also going to be getting on one of the engineers 
uh, from the album, a gentleman called, and again, I'd like to make sure I pronounce his name very, very correctly because it's not one of the easiest names, but I think it's Mike uh, Plontikoff, and he worked on the engineering side, particularly with Bruce Fairbairn and also uh, one of the English, I think, DJs, Tom uh, Lord Alge, who does a lot of remixes and things like that. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's in LA, uh, Mike, and he's going to come on and uh, recount his experiences. Uh, and there's also a gentleman from Herald Sun, who uh, one of the lead entertainment uh, reporters who interviewed Michael twice towards the end of his life, and that's a guy called Nui Tsukawa. Him and I have been friends on Facebook for a while, and we were uh, sort of uh, trading off against each other at the Chili Peppers and the Worthiness of the Consonant. Then he said, well, I know a bit about your NXS podcast. I said, okay, we'll come on and uh, talk about it. And he goes, absolutely. So um, he's a friend of Cameron Adams, so he'll come on and... and we might explore just you know you know the interviews with Michael, and he may have some notes and materials there that we can share and post and talk about. So, yeah, we just again we want to take people back into the NXS world, back into experiences they may not have uh, heard or seen or been a, a part of at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, keep bands legacy alive. So they will be coming up over the post elegantly wasted episodes. Cool, there. cool, making it very three D, isn't it? I have reached out to a couple of all people, but yet to you back, so I won't mention them until they're more official. Yeah, I had a little um, little um, conversation with Rhett Hutchins. He was doing something with his skulls, and I just said, oh, that was a funny face, because he pulled a funny face, and he goes, it's a funny face for a podcast. I was like, ooh, okay. Well, the invite's yeah. there, mate. So get in touch with us. That could be one of the more interesting uh, episodes there. We definitely don't want to go live with that one. Well, it can be very interesting. But B, anything else on your uh, housekeeping list to uh, mention for any listeners before we move ahead? I'd like to go back to Gary if I can. I'd like to yeah. go back to Gary. He's such a lovely guy. He did something nice with his wife as well and took her out for dinner. That was lovely to see. But um, I'm really looking forward to seeing his website up and running with his guitars. And I'm also really looking forward to his book. So, Gary, please, please, please get on with that book. Absolutely. Or mm-hmm. B, but uh, as we swiftly move ahead with the new format. Oh, my what's goodness, Hayden. Oh, what? What did <laughs> what? we turn this week? How many downloads did we hit? Oh, yes. So, how can I forget? Okay. How Look, we had over 100,000 downloads, which uh, made us feel very, very proud. But oh, we're very proud of those who have checked us out. So, big, big thank you to the well wishers, but more importantly, big, big thank you to the downloaders, because without that, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. So, thank you for the downloaders, the supporters, and the team, and you, Hayden. Thank you very, very much. You too. But, Pete, what's it time for? It's time for the news. No, it's not. It's time for Top no, of the Week. No, it's not. It's time for Top of the Week. Before, man, over we go. <laughs> I knew I'd get you on that one. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. This is Ella from Middleburg, the Netherlands. You're listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the topic of the week. 
Alright B, we're talking elegantly wasted, the 10th and final studio album with the original six members of the band. So it's so much to unpack here and you know we might even have to go four episodes into this because as I said earlier, mm. we've got the album to talk about, we've got the, the engineering side to talk about, we've got probably the fan engagement and fun experiences and the songs and reviews and you know, everything there that probably means we will go three or four episodes on this and, and quite worthily so. I guess what I'd like to do, and I tried to do this a little bit before we do an album review and just explain where the band were at, you know, in terms of, you know, just the, the timing of the recording and what they were facing and, and just, you know, where things were at at that particular point in time. The band released this album on the 15th of April, 1997. They'd probably spent the better part of 12 months, you know, either recording, you know, uh, writing, uh, rehearsing, uh, divided their time a little bit between, uh, I think, England initially when Michael and uh, and uh, Andrew got together because they're both living in England and I think they did some writing there. Uh, then went over to visit their friends, uh, Larry and Bono from U2 and ended up hiring some small recording spaces there in Dublin. They also did some recording and mixing over in Spain. Uh, but then, you know, the major part of sort of the production side took place in Vancouver with Bruce Fairbairn. I did read that it actually took nine months to write and only two weeks to record this album. Yeah, well, they the, look, they, they had probably come off a, about a four-year gap between sort of uh, Full Moon Dirty Hearts as their last studio, studio album and this one. And I remember the time there was probably, you know, quite a lot of changes there. They were, uh, I think they were getting out of their Atlantic deal and, and maybe moving in with sort of the, you know, Polygram in terms of just, you know, the, the, the changes. You know, I guess the band probably felt, well, okay, we've got a lot of things sort of moving on and changing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it does make sense a little bit to, you know, to take a break. You know, moving on, you know, with, you know, Polygram and Mercury, they're like, well, we might as well have a break now. And, and people got their own lives a little bit there. And they'd, uh, I guess Michael had gone off and done some solo stuff and, uh, met Paul in that meantime, and then the band went off and did all sort of, you know, pretty much had some time out. And I guess it had been, a, yeah, yeah, it'd been a pretty heavy period because, look, you know, to their defences, I mean, they'd, they'd gone and done Wembley '91, they'd come back with, uh, you know, Welcome to Wherever You Are, which is a fantastic album '92. You know, sold four million, but it probably wasn't the ten million plus, you know, sales that the record company and 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 uh, critics were expecting. Um, and Full Moon probably did half of that. So I guess commercially, you know, during this time between sort of, you know, 92 and sort of 96, you had the explosion of grunge in terms of that particular time. You know, you had sort of towards 95, 96, the explosion of Britpop. So you suddenly saw, you know, that new era, that new generation where uh, bands particularly sort of like Soundgarden and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Oasis and Blur and, and Pulp and some of these bands were sort of su- suddenly, you know, capturing the zeitgeist. And it's hard, you know, for a band, you know, particularly entering into almost its third decade at that point, you know, that started in 77 and suddenly it's 1997. It's hard to maintain relevance. So I think part of the goal when they went in to record this album was, you know, like always, they wanted to be musically challenged, you know, in terms of the creative side. But I think they also been in that situation where they wanted to, I think, just get back and define what was this thing in excess. Because they'd gone on tangents with Welcome and Full Moon and, you know, the songwriting here is probably less, I want to say creative, it's probably less uh, alternative than some of the twists and turns that, you know, what Welcome and Full Moon did. The songs here are a little bit more traditional in structure, a little more traditional in, in sort of, you know, verse and, you know, previous or historic songwriting. But there's enough sonic twists on this and sounds and experimentation that it still, I think, holds up musically and uh, still is an album that kept the, uh, I think particularly Michael and Andrew, creative and interested. Uh, and I think the producer, through some discussions we'll quote him on, probably echoed that when he started listening to it. He, he thought there was that there was a com- combination of a commercial intent, but definitely a creativity side that he was impressed with. 
I guess, you know, when the album did sort of come out, B, uh, it was around 1997, as I said earlier, about April the 15th. Uh, what were you doing around that time? Do you have a bit of a memory of that era or that time? You weren't in Australia yet by, by that time, of course. No. But what were you doing in 97? I was watching TFI Friday and I remember Michael coming on and I thought it was just so refreshing to see. Okay, I was a bit taken back by the black hair. I must admit because that was my first time I'd seen that. But it was refreshing to see the band relaxed and so cool. Michael just came on and just took it on the chin of all the um, the questions that Chris Evans, who was the presenter at the time, was giving him. And they played Elegantly Wasted. That really turned me on, like my ears on anyway. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, but not. That's when it comes from, like, in that little sort of studio with the, with the fans and the crowd, little crowd, and it was almost mm-hmm. felt like a, that little sort of setup there. Um, yeah. I guess also, too, you know, 96, then you had Oasis there and the infamous, you know, Speech yeah. from, from from Noel at the uh, the Brit Awards and that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, so cool. unfortunately, at this particular time, the band could have brought out, you know, said the White Album meets you know Sergeant Pepper's, but the rhetoric and the way the media work and operate was more about Michael and his lifestyle and Paula and and Bob than mm-hmm. they were patient enough to probably listen to this album. And I guess that was disappointing because. You know, other bands, you know, like you too, and they'd always send me at a free kick. And, you know, the critics always send me to listen to the songs intently and then worry about the personality second. Well, at NXS, unfortunately, particularly at this time, people were listening to, you know, the personalities and the rhetoric and not the songs so much. So, you know, more sort of. Can I just add a little bit, if that's okay? It's just that I remember you two came out with, was it Zuropa at this point? No, the, the Zerod was four years old. They came out with pop right. well, um, later pop. this year. That's yeah. it. That's it. So they came out with pop and then in excess came out with this. And it was just really refreshing that they hadn't repeated themselves. Welcome to wherever you are with that grunge and try to get on that bandwagon. It, it felt like it was an excess grown up to me, this album. Well, I think the band would just want to redefine who is in excess, what do we do best, mm-hmm. what do we do great. And, you know, the songs which we'll break down in a moment, you know, really, I guess, yeah. um, you know, have their own individuality to them and, and they have this the in excess stamp on them. But unfortunately, you know, I don't know if the record company at that particular time, uh, I don't know, you know, in terms of, you know, promotion and public uh, publicity, you know, there was, you know, there was a hunger and a thirst, what? you know, to let this album grow and let this album, you know, stand on its own two feet. Now, what we want to do today a little bit, and yeah, we want to sort of focus a little bit on the song. So we're going to get into uh, the tracks in a moment and, and start sort of talking about those. But one of the interesting things, uh, just to, you know, a little bit of uh, housekeeping here, uh, was probably think the longest album that they'd made. You know, a lot of their albums came in at sort of 40 minutes, 41, 42 minutes. This was 47 minutes and 56. And that's just, the, I think, the, the 11. That's just the 11 tracks. When you add in Shine and and potentially let it ride, you know, hits over 50, 55 minutes. So it's probably one of the longest recordings that the band have, have put on sort of CD. The four singles off the album that were released in different markets or, you know, collectively were elegantly wasted, uh, everything, uh, don't lose your head and searching, uh, you know, four pretty good selections, I think, there in hindsight mm-hmm. that represent the different styles and nuances of the album. You know, in terms of the album cover, B, you're very visual. Over to you, what do you like, uh, what do you think and like about the album cover? Give us your thoughts. 
on the album cover yeah it was great I thought that whole session was great actually I thought it was a real standout it caught my eye what did you think yeah well I think the band were quite inspired by Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here mm. and if you open up sort of inside and look at some parts of the cover you know with you know the uh, the car on its side and just you know some of the actual digital sort of photos there and some of the sort of the uh, the still shots it does have quite a Pink Floyd feel about you know the the artwork there. It's very yeah. interesting. It's like um, as if like that girl's possessed or something because they're leaning over <laughs> and then and then also it all. I mean, I think we've talked about this before. And then the fact that Michael and the girl are runaways, and then you've got the police after them and stuff. It's it's really plays with your brain. It's like a war. Am I supposed to get out of this? It's fun. And look, one of the great things about uh, the cover when you open up inside and look inside all the particular pictures it's got a lot of that mm. sort of outback sort of californian you know almost arizona arizonian type you know dry arid outback there and when you think of songs like you know shape the tree and we're thrown together it's got that feels like you know that really dry american rattlesnake feel to it uh, i think there's something sort of links the covers to some of the sonics of the sounds your friend scott yeah. burgess has actually been outside where that car is turned on its side and taken photos oh, for us yeah. before now but it's always got that feel like it's, I think it's shot down near where, ironically, where JD sings and they film uh, Afterglow uh, on the Switch album. And mm. I think uh, part of where they sort of film this 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 sort of section there, sort of uh, downtown LA area, which I think part of the roads are, I think, being closed off there now. But um, interestingly enough, uh, the, the first listen anyone got to uh, of any songs of this album was in Australia at the ARI Awards about a year before where uh, Michael got up and played Searching, which was the last time he really performed in Australia. Uh, great version. I think we've done uh, some commentary about that before. It represent a really new sound and a different sort of style for the band. And uh, uh, again, they were probably fresh off recording, you know, things and writing. And they just came out and played a new song at the Arias, which was uh, well received and uh, still stacks up to this day when you go back and watch it. I believe you picked up some information there. A little bit about Pierre Winther, who was the uh, photographer there on the shoot there. It was, uh, seemed like it was almost a music production, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually a film production. But, yeah, he's, yeah. He's just, I've got a few good words here from him. I um, found a really um, old interview with him. He said, it was a look back at Elegantly Wasted, the cover art and the promotional material shot by um, Pierre. Um, and he says it was more about crashing sports cars, illuminated driveways and a lot of fun. The shoot took place over... 12 days in LA. Can you imagine 12 days within excess filming? How fun would that be? It was planned more as a movie production as an ordinary record shoot. It's pretty cool. Yeah. We were almost filming every day and night and it seemed like we were all in character. Oh, wow. So those policemen, <laughs> girls, we're a part of it. Even me as the director played my role. Michael was really into it. I suggested to have fluorescent cars driving across key cities like New York and Paris on the day of the release. Ah, 
So that's what you wanted to do as a marketing thing. You wanted sports cards driving out onto the cities. That would have been cool. So that never happened, did it? Hmm? No. Well, look, if uh, they had the budget of U2, probably would have happened, uh, you know, in 85 yeah. around the world, you know. Uh, you wanted to have fluorescent cars hanging from the Thames from a crane. <laughs> Michael was very enthusiastic about the project to come alive. But he later told me that it was his favourite shoot. Well, funny, cool. you know, it's really the fun. I was about to say, Michael literally into it. You know, he's like, he's uh, mm. probably hamming it up a little bit with his acting chops and things as well. Well, I think we'll get into the songs now because uh, these are really the linchpins of uh, what it is to do an album reveal. We can talk about each song. And um, I guess the first one we'll start off with is Show Me, Cherry Baby. Some very interesting intros on this particular track, there. <laughs> Baby, the first song off the album, B, uh, quite a big sort of floating intro that sort of goes through nearly about a minute and a half there. Really interesting sounds. It's got that sort of mystical sort of uh, Indian sort of sounds, you know, almost uh, uh, drawing a little bit upon questions from Welcome, but it's got a really sort of lovely sort of floating vibe. I think it's a little bit about uh, Flame Fortune, I think, uh, from Memory B. I think through our, our research, I always just used to hear the lyrics thing was about Paula, yeah, because it seemed to be, you know, about a femme fatale, but... Uh, uh, I think it was about Flame Fortune. It was uh, an artist that Michael discovered, and she was unfortunately, you know, killed and murdered at about 21 in, in Hollywood. Uh, a couple of little things about this song I like. It's sort of got a double chorus. It sort of says the show me, show me, and then you know, sometimes it comes back with the cherry, cherry baby. And I like the interesting juxtaposition of the two choruses. And I love the, you know, the intro to uh, sort of the second verse where it's like, you know, found in the gutter, you know, knife in her back. It's just Michael. The mm-hmm. vocal and lyrics are really really strong on this one and I think mm. the band uh, you know it's like welcome back to you know you know, in excess we're here mm. what's your thoughts mm. on this song? I, I remember hearing Tim say somewhere that you know they kick back in Michael's lyrics and let Michael go with this um, yeah a very personal story from Michael um, so Flame Fortune was a friend of his who was also a musician and he helped her with her career but yeah she just got in with the wrong crowd there I know that her mum still lights a candle for her and on the um, socials quite a lot but I do like it it's not my type of music I would have said but because it's Michael and I've listened to it so much it feels like one of the babies you know it's like how can I not like it you know it's it's really grown on me and it coming in as a beginning song as the first song it really pricks my ears and makes me listen even more so it's like when you've come off the last one and you re-listen it's it's refreshing 
Well, it's not. It's not. A, uh, you would, would call it a real uh, sort of commercial song. No. You know, in terms of the, the the structure and things like that, look, it really ages well. Like, I think it's just one of those mm-hmm. songs that gives you a little bit more with repeat listening, and um, you find little sort of nuggets in it when you come back and listen again and again. And this week, it's been elegantly wasted. Sort of week, the whole album. I've been listening to the album again, and it's been probably been five, six years since I've really put this album on, B, uh, in any meaningful mm-hmm. way. And uh, yeah, this song really, uh, you know, holds strong for me. Mm. I think it also it it feels so personal to Michael of his friend passing away and what she meant to him. It's quite an um, emotional song. Yes. I feel like crying. I feel like dying. We took a coffee. You took it so strong. Shaded from a neon. Over the second one, B, I'm going to give you the new ball on this one. Everything, okay? Take it away. Yeah. We're not the only ones who bleed for the love. dad actually because everything he does for me it's been fantastic thank you dad it's an ode to his daughter and how he's appreciated life with everything she's done for him Um, and also probably all of the lovers in his life his mom and his um, girlfriends and his friends yeah it's a it's a beautiful song i really like it it's a good one to sing along to too isn't it yeah this probably has aged and it's been my favorite song off the album you know not by a huge margin there's a couple others that i'm really into but you know if you're an excess fan that probably said get around listen like thieves kick an x and you haven't really dived deep into the latter catalogue, mm-hmm. um, put this thing on, you know, the song four, five, six times. Put the film clip on. Uh, oh, Michael, so happy in this film clip. Mm. Yeah, it's done in the LA, the sort of floating sort of uh, stage there. Sort of rotating even, not floating. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, floating, rotating, what are you going to call it? But it's sort of a little amphitheater there, and the band are really informed. Uh, it's got a you know some really interesting sounds. The keyboards are great. The acoustic guitar with Kirk is fantastic. The keyboards, obviously, with Andrew, you know, really sort of give it a poignancy. Uh, Michael's really happy in the clip. The crowd are really into it, um, and I, and I think it's just a really great pop perfection song. Like mm. um, you know, it's sort of this ballad slash mid tempo thing. And it was the second single. It should have had a greater audience. People should have appreciated yeah. more. As I said again, if you if you're caught up in uh, earlier in excess, um, this is a great song to almost feel like it's a different era and a different beginning for you. Like one of the great things, if you're not a really massive fan of the older stuff or the latest stuff and you're in the middle, you can go back and discover these albums and almost feel like they're fresh to you because this is an awesome song. And it's the crowd participation of him like singing out to them and they're singing back. It's just a really heartwarming song, isn't it? Absolutely. Song number three, B, uh, over to you with the dials there. It's the self-titled song of the old, Elegantly Wasted. (laughs) 
song uh, off the album, self-titled uh, track, elegantly wasted lead single. Good film clip, I think, with uh, the the band there, especially the, uh, the shots where they're out sort of in LA and things. Uh, I don't know if they need the models, you know, at the airport in the film clip. Uh, again, Michael, Michael's hair, you know, we all talk about his hair, looks pretty ordinary on this album, but it's all about the songs for us. Uh, I think this is this classic, it's almost, it's not Legion Tonight Part 2, but it's this classic three and a half minute uh, in excess funk. It's an interesting track because Michael's singing in almost in a sarcastic way, you know, melancholy wasted, why don't we make it like we used to? He's looking back and he's sort of, you know, making a point about where they're at now. But boy, what a hook for a song and, and what a catchy chorus and what a myth about the better than the Oasis tracking. And for some of those who don't quite understand what happens when you hear the word sort of multi-tracking, what you're actually saying is that, is that between instrumentation and between vocals, sometimes you can lay down multiple vocals and mo- multiple tracks of, of, um, of music and put that on a recording. So a good example would be a band like Nirvana. They're a three-piece band, but often they would put Kurt... Cobain's vocals down three or four times and they put the guitars down three or four layers of guitars. So it had that big, thick sound. You know, if you think of someone like Queen, you know, B with the Bohemian Rhapsody, they, they would put their vocals down so many times and layers. Or 10cc's, I'm not love, they did almost so many layers of so many vocals. So it really thickens up the sound. So definitely, I think Michael somewhere must have been saying better than Oasis on one of those little tracks. I think there's a little bit more truth than rumour and fact. I think so. Um, But uh, very tongue-in-cheek and probably in reality he's uh, truthful in his articulation because we think they're better than Oasis. Um, Over to you on this one, B. What do you like, dislike about the song? Well, Michael coins this song as his anti- um, jaded song and what's jaded and what's not, which I thought was very interested, which probably yeah. comes across as that um, sarcastic um, yeah. sort of um, flavour to the song. I love the bass. Oh, my God. So, so deep and fantastic. So thank you for that, Gary. Um, I love this song. It's always a good one to dance to and get um, on the dance floor. I don't think it's dated at all, this song. It always is a good song to play at any party. I think Michael in the video clip, if we have to talk about him, <laughs> I love that he's, that he's rolling on the floor. Oh, my God. Ooh, la, la, la. <laughs> and I think Tim looks fantastic in this clip too. So does all the boys, but Tim looks amazing. Into, yes, we could have got rid of the models. I'm sure we could have found some different models that have gone in there. Yeah, if you're talking about the music, I think it's a great track, and it definitely needed to be a single. Ah, oh yeah. Well, yeah, it's spearheaded the album, and probably uh, if we think back to all of their albums, uh, we've got Ellingly Wasted, and then prior to that, Full Moon, Dirty Hearts, Welcome to Wherever You Are, you know, Kick X, all those sort of things. It was probably the first album that they'd had, you know, where one of the songs was uh, the lead single and the name of the album. I think Listen Like These was single four off that album, and obviously part of that sort of title. But yeah, uh, a rare scenario where uh, the lead single was the name of the album. I would like to have it clarified. I don't know if it's true or not, but every time I hear it, it always sounds like Paula at the beginning as like an air hostess talking over the tannoy at the beginning. Well, I think of the, the video that's filmed at that sort of fake airport there or whatever. So. Some English girl anyway, so yeah. let's, uh, it'd be nice to find out if it is or not. Okay, what's the next one? All right, B, we're going to go song four, Don't Lose Your Head, uh, which I guess was part of the Face Off soundtrack, so... Take away some music for Don't Lose Your Head, B. 
Michael's vocals are fantastic on this song. I think it should definitely have been a single, definitely. Well, it was. Mm, I know. But it yeah, should have okay. been bigger. It should have been in the oh, right. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah mm. cool. All right, so don't lose your head to me. I'm going to put my 1997 lens on when I first heard it and then sort of compare it to now because part of our album reviews is, you know, does the album stack up now? Do the songs stack up now? How do they sort of sit with us? And I think this particular track, took a while for me to get going. What I found interesting at the time and I struggled a little with was was on this album, some of the female backup vocals felt a bit kitschy, a bit sort of Vegasy lounge room sort of stuff. And I'll I'll explore upon this probably even on the next song on Searching. It was a song that probably grew for me uh, a little bit over time and um, <laughs> actually happened on my birthday, uh, Go See Face Off. <laughs> and uh, when the song came up in the movie, I didn't know where it was going to come up in the movie. It came up in the first sort of hour or so. I suddenly liked the song more because I was like, oh, cool, this song's in the movie and it sort mm. of raised its game a bit. Um, I think this is also Michael's probably most aggressive and oh. ang- yes. angry sharing. I wonder who that was pointed at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think this was a sort of a bit of a, a song about everybody who gave him the shits, particularly Bob Gelder. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I look at the clip, particularly the one, you know, for the face of sort of slash, you know, uh, film clip where it was filmed in South Africa in the hangar, almost a hangar, I think it was. And Michael's mm-hmm. got the yellow microphone. Uh, it looks to be like Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream. Yeah, uh, yeah, he does. I agree. Uh, and, and even though it's a little bit like um, uh, Chris Robinson from The Black Crows. So he's doing sort of a hipster mm-hmm. look. The interesting thing, I guess, is, you know, there's a couple of little remixes of this. So the, the, the remixes are quite interesting. and They're very um, good. Mm. Yeah, I think I think as a single, like this, this – and I think of this song, there's no other really in excess song that sounds like this. It's almost a, a it's almost like a rap, isn't it? It's like this angry tirade mm. and the music is this sort of Tirade's a good word, actually, because it's like yeah, that. It's like a tirade with this musical backdrop. Mm. Um and then the band served the lyric rather than the lyrics served the band. Um, um. um you know, so it's it's just a a song that has grown for me over time and I do like it more now, you know, they probably did initially at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I guess it was the third single off the tra- uh, third single off the album. Would have loved, you know, the, for the Face Off movie to have given it a bit more of a lift. Having said that, I saw Face Off a couple of weeks ago, and I must say it was probably the biggest, most preposterous piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's a, it's a funny thing about where we were at a time in our lives. I enjoyed it. The stretch of reality of that movie and some of the <laughs> acting and the bloody... John Woo doves in the air. I mean, it was highly, 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 uh, uh, you know, unrealistic and problematic. But you know what? Yeah, but that was. I was yeah, 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 but that was back then. I mean, that was what? What was that other one with Keanu Reeves? That was around about then, wasn't it? Point Break or something? 
No, the other one. Where he's like in. Lost in... Speed? No, the other one. Oh, the one where he's like. Matrix. In the Matrix, yeah. It was around about that era. He's like, it was a bit like. Oh, when they're like. Yeah, the Matrix is aged and more cinematic sort of longevity than I think Face Off. But anyway. We should steer clear from movie reviews because we have no idea. But um, um, <laughs> all right, so that's Don't Lose Your Head. All right, we're going to go over to song number 5B on the first side of the album. We're going to go to Searching. Have we lost direction? Washed our hands of blood. I'm in need of sensation. Is it my? This love, love. So a mother screaming. She had lost control. A what she was believed in, and she was not. Interesting uh, track, this one. There's sort of two complete different versions here. As I said, there's this sort of loungy, sort of Vegasy, lead station version, and then there's the sort of the normal album version. And look, this was a single that came out fourthly uh, off the album just before Michael passed, and then it was ultimately withdrawn from release. So I have very two distinct sounds for this uh, for this song, but I guess the one that I saw first was the version, really the album version, the one that sort of Michael probably sung uh, on stage at the Aria. So I'd been listening and watching for this song for about a year. So it's a bit like do you write right hand or left hand? You just get used to one yeah. style. So I, mm-hmm. I guess the original normal sort of first up version was the one that probably I enjoyed the most. Again, they were clever, I guess, remixing and having different sort of people come on board. You know, and there were some great artists around this time, like Baseman Jackson people. Uh, I think they might have mixed something on everything on the earlier songs we spoke about. Look, this is a great song, a great lyric. I think I just loved the Michael version on stage because it was a guy bearing his soul. The world weren't listening to his pain. I don't think really people understood how much pain he was in until after, you know, he passed, obviously. And this whole album really is a guy bearing his soul in his pain. I think this is one of those tracks. Yeah, this one in particular is very, very painful to listen to when you know the story um, of why he was, you know, saw a woman screaming. I mean... She had lost control. You know, his lover had lost her control of all these awful cameramen just in her face with her children. And she was, mm. you know, just had a baby. And, you know, he wasn't there all the time. Be seeing what in this in the papers as well. It was just I think the vocal, heartbreaking. You know, you heard the vocal, him singing this live, but then you compare the vocals mm. to the album. Which, I mean, the notes he hits, you know, on yeah. stage at the Ari Awards, almost upper level compared to the album version. And, you know, would it be clear tomorrow or will it start all over again? And it's such a soulful, you know, song. And the camera work on stage at the Aries where mm. it was literally following me around on stage singing it, you really felt you were right then. And look, this is a great track. I mean, In Excess's Ballads, if you listen to any sort of uh, radio station around the world, they'll put By My Side on, they'll put Beautiful Girl on, they'll put Never Tear Us Apart on. But boy, could this song have another life if it was given, you know, out in a movie soundtrack or they put it on a Stranger Things? I think this song's got another life and it's somewhere down the track in a movie, B. 
I think that the album tracking as it's going along so far and so on is really, really good. You know, we've started off with the, the interesting sort of show me. We've come into, you know, everything. We've gone then intelligently wasted, don't lose your head. A little bit of a quieter moment now. We're searching. Um, and it sets up the song, you know, that, that rounds out Side 1B, uh, which is a, quite a famous song within our community. And uh, big shout out to Dr. Jim. But the song is I'm Just a Man. Not, not just a man. It's I'm Just a Man. And uh, that's song number six. So let's scope a little bit of that and then we'll come back and hear from you. every one of his family members little insight into how he feels about each of his um, family members talks about tina talks about Rhett, talks about his mom and his dad i mean how would they feel hearing these lyrics especially after his passing it was beautiful it was beautifully written and again it never gets tired and it's just wonderful that dr jim's taking it on like you said as his foundation and his foundation is just getting bigger and bigger and if you want to and um, find out more about that we can always tell you more um yeah. later in the series this is a song that really i think had a real impact on me in the months after it michael passed mm -hmm. because it was so autobiographical and michael was always a little bit opaque with his lyrics. He wasn't always as literal and as 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 flag bearing as Bono, or whatever there. But his lyrics often were, you know, he never discussed them a lot publicly, and he wanted to, you know, in many ways have people interpret them, interpret them how they want to interpret them. And a lot of songwriters are like that; they don't necessarily want to force feed you the lyric and change your perception of things. But uh, I mean, you know, it's such a, a an ode to the Hutchins family. Um, it, it really did resonate with me, and I remember listening to it going now. Uh, you know, this is really a guy bearing his soul like he's never, ever done before. And there's actually a really good interview with Michael on the, uh, uh, John Stewart's show in 1997, about four months before he died. And he's on the show. And I think he's got no shoes on, but he's got his hippie top on. He's chatting away. And he's quite good friends with John Stewart. But he was really talking about lyrics and about, you know, I think there was a, such a cathartic experience by being able to put yeah. what was a tough two, three years for him, four, five years. You know, probably sitting, you know, what was it, five years since he'd been hit over the head, he'd had the Fleet Street mm -hmm. press, had some media backlash, you know, the tall poppy syndrome, he'd gone through relationships. There was just this really tough experience and period there. And this lyric stuff, I think, was this unloading, along with his solo album, obviously, that um, was quite cathartic for him to to get it off his chest. Mm -hmm. These lyrics almost top that, you know. Mm. Listening to you talk, then you know we've we've spoken to many people that have um, surrounded themselves around him, and they said that Michael didn't really talk about himself much. He was more interested in you as a person when he met you, mm. 
Hmm. And so this this album, him sort of allowing us to know what was in his head and his thoughts really is beautiful that he allowed us in. Yeah. You know, as I said again, you know, Michael, you know, as a lyricist was very underrated and, you know, you go back through all the albums, there's, you know, anything from, you know, political leanings to health and well-being and mm. love and, and regret, you know, alienation and, and a lot of the things that, you know, you know, lyricists come up with, you know, lyrics generally are a portent or a, an indication uh, of an artist prior a couple of years of where they're at at that time and, you know, mm. so relevant that these lyrics sort of a, a reflection of where he was at that time. Uh, my only criticism with this song is probably the production. I think, and again, I'm probably a bit finicky here and I know, uh, Blair, when we had him on in you know early episodes, he was a bit negative about the production song. I would have loved it maybe a bit like with um, uh, everything here. I would have loved maybe a little more acoustic guitar on this and certain parts of it. Something about acoustic guitar is very soulful and very natural and, and very organic. And I think because the song and the lyrics that I think I, I would have loved to see this song have a fraction more acoustic guitar in it rather than all the guitars blazing. But uh, that's just a, a personal view anyway. Hmm. But they did do an acoustic session of the whole album, didn't they, in Canada? Yeah, well, they did a few live things and stuff like that and stuff as well. So, you know, I guess from that sort of point of view, you know, the, there is some good footage to sort of capture there. And um, there's a song we're coming up next, actually. I was watching yesterday there with one of their performances too. But um, uh, around that side one, B, and uh, we, what do we normally do at the end of an album uh, of, of, a, of a side one? What do we normally have to do? We've... Get it off and we flip it up into the air and it goes around about three times and then it lands really perfectionally onto the um, record player. Is that right? I think you had to go for a piss. <laughs> <laughs> This is Lori. And this is Foxy. We're the Newsreel Babies. Please subscribe to our newsletter at nxsaccessallareas.com. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I hear that you've been um, parting a little bit on the streets and uh, your voice might be a little bit shot. Uh, how are you? Well, hello, beautiful bee. As you can <laughs> tell by my voice, I was... Uh, at a Mardi Gras parade last oh. night here in Florida. <laughs> and as they say, les a bon temps roule, let the good times roll. <laughs> and did they? What did you get up to? Lots of beads, moon pies, mm. and moon goo pie. clusters. Okay, what's a moon pie? A moon pie is a dessert of, it's a chocolate cookie with a marshmallow cream shoved inside of it it's not my favorite <laughs> i can't stand marshmallows so i passed it on to my fellow paraders okay okay all right well your voice is a little bit shot but um you you had a good time that's good all right so what else happened in our you're in excess week this week with um, fun engagement well, this week we have had Miss Barbara Dix sign up for our newsletter and become a site member to our website. So thank you, Barbara. We appreciate that. 
That's great. I'm loving the newsletter. You're doing such a good job with that this week. Who who was our profile on the uh, newsletter this week? This week we had patron Amy Messenger on. Oh, welcome, Amy. That was lovely, actually. It was really good. And there's lots of information there, guys. So if you want to sign up, that's very easy to do that. You just do that via our website. Our website's pretty full at the moment, isn't it? We actually, um, well, Hayden and I mentioned it earlier on in the show, we hit 100,000 downloads. So thank you to um, Genevieve for putting a video together. It looks cool. We are all excited. It's a good one. It was a great milestone. So thank you to all the supporters again for that one. Um, last night, or the night before, I was watching Keanu Reeves' documentary on the TV. Now, he's one of these hit and miss actors for me because he's beginning, he was such a cardboard actor for me, but he's actually got such a cult following now, hasn't he? Well, I am going to admit, uh, before Michael Hutchins came into my oh. life, Keanu Reeves was, uh, was the man for me. Yeah. Why I bring him up is because we had this, um, we, we think it's back in 2016, we were all told that Michael being cast to be Keanu Reeves, was it Neo, I think, Neo, his partner, and they had to scrap it when Michael passed away. I would have given anything to see Michael Hutchins Ooh, in The Matrix. I think he would have been brilliant at it, actually. All in leather, walking around with a gun, and yeah, I think he would have been oh, awesome in it. Absolutely. Well, I do know that Martha, who was Michael Hutchins's um, manager at the time, is coming on the show in the next couple of weeks. So we will ask her those questions about that and get a little bit more inside information. That would be amazing to get that inside knowledge firsthand. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Because um, I hear that it was a few more movies um, and he was talking to Robert De Niro and Quinton Tarantino. So it'd be interesting to know that he, he was into uh, making movies. Danielle, I think, is there anything else that you've got? Well, we had someone get in touch with us named Matt Bartlett, and he was actually in attendance of the Summer Excess in Wembley and was wondering why they chose to end with Devil Inside as opposed to Don't Change. Oh, yes. He said he was gutted by them not closing with it, and he thought it was due to they had to end the concert by 10.30, which would have been stipulated by local council. So I have... uh, directed uh, Matt to uh, listen to uh, the episodes with Gary Gary and he would get a first-hand account of what how that ended. Yeah it was pretty cool wasn't it that he told us all that. I think Gary would uh, spill a few more things for us if we get him back on so I'm looking forward to, to getting him back on the show but yeah we won't spill it I think I might mention that earlier on in the show anyway. And then I had somebody, a guy called the Bearded Guy, I think he was called, via Instagram, um, show me a DJ mashing up Need You Tonight. Oh my God, it was so fantastic. And I want to play a little bit for you now, can I? Oh, yes. 
for today on Funny Engagement. Thank you for joining me. It's always lovely to see your gorgeous face, Danielle. Well, thank you so much, B. And I would just like to give a quick welcome back to our Sula, our patron. And she has been back engaging with us all week. So we're excited to have her back with us. Yes, Sula, big love to you and um, big love to your voice. I hope that comes back soon too. Thank you so much, beautiful B. See you next week. Bye. Hi, it's Dave from England, and you're listening to In Excess Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the news. All right, well, chart news, B. Uh, the album is out of the very best of top 50, but uh, we've got fingers crossed that it will make a, an appearance soon. But uh, big, big shout out to people who are listening to our podcast in Chile and Germany. We uh, had a bit of a soaring into the charts. We've never seen our, our results in the Germany charts before, B. Uh, so thank you to all our, our Deutsch listeners uh, out there. And also thank you to people in Chile who've been taking our podcast in. Now, B, remember the concert we talked about in Perth that uh, was going to be at the stadium and then we found another one. It was at the uh, Performing Arts Centre, etc. there. They are the same gig combined now. So I think they've moved the uh, stadium gig at that soccer venue to the Perth uh, Entertainment Centre. So uh, if you have more tickets or are going, uh, it is the one single concert now. So uh, some changes have happened. B, I know you're intending on going. You are blinking a little bit like you've missed out on two concerts. You're still heading to one of them? I'd like to. Are you going to buy the tickets for us? <laughs> well, time will tell, time will tell. All right, and anybody who was at uh, some of the In Excess cover band gigs, namely the Live Baby Live guys who played at Lucky Garage 13 during the week in Melbourne, uh, well, last Saturday, and also the Theberton, I think well, it might have been the Don't Change Boys were over there, plus the George League Hotel. Anyone with footage of those gigs, we'd love to get your feedback because we do uh, have a lot of listeners who go to these gigs and we're often uh, putting our photos and everything up and videos, but we'd love you to share yours on our platforms. Also too, I know B, you had a chance to look at the Gary interview that he did on TV with Nick Harcourt, sort of behind the scenes uh, on YouTube there, uh, and Gary's talking a bit about his bass guitars, and I think we got Gary into form for that interview, didn't we B? That's right, we did. But we urge listeners to go and check that one out. Also, in a little bit of news, there was a cool article, and I think our avid bulletin team captured this one in, in spades. There was a good article on Devil Inside. How's this for a radio station? Cool, beginning with K, 107.9. And it was an historical interview with Andrew, uh, sorry, with Michael, talking uh, a little bit about his days with the lyric of Devil Inside. And 
Uh, even a- Andrew struggling with a little bit of the sentiment there and uh, the cl- you know the clash between the meaning of the lyrics there. But uh, it was a great article and kudos to our uh, Bulletin team for capturing that if you haven't seen it. Also, 2B, did, uh, I know Paul uh, Shabu Shabar. Joe Lee. Yes, yes. I know he would love this particular news. Uh, the 2023 Penrith Panthers just had their season launch to an NXS song, Never Tear Us Apart. So uh, uh-huh. this song this song has translated into a lot of footy teams in Australia. So uh, if you do want to download that, just put it into your search engine. I'm sure it will come up. Also, too, there was a good article, a podcast out there with friend of the show, Danny Sabre B, one of your mates, okay, one of your little alumni. Uh, Danny's done a, a podcast for Noise, but we had him first, didn't we, B? That's right, we did. Also, too, RIP, uh, one of those weeks again, B, where we feel like we're saying goodbye to uh, a lot of celebrities. Uh, first of all, ballet to a, one of the great songwriters of the uh, 20th century. If you see me walking down the street, uh, and I start to cry, he wrote things like Save the Prayer, and, uh, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Hair, all these sort of great hits. Uh, walk on by, you know, sort of, uh, Another lady who unfortunately passed away, she passed away just at 82. She, she looked 52, B, but, uh, you know, she was uh, a very, very uh, famous actress. Uh, Raquel Welsh, unfortunately, passed away last week. Probably most famous now for the poster in Shawshank Redemption, uh, for those out there who don't know. Valet to her, and also valet to Cindy Williams, one half of the Laverne and Shirley team. Uh, somebody there was very big in the 70s. She was in American Graffiti, passed away at 75. So, uh, valet to her. And lastly, lastly, uh, there is a great little rant by a, a guy called Rick Beato uh, about U2. Uh, do you know U2 have just accepted a gig at Las Vegas at this new Sphere Stadium? And their drummer, Larry, who founded the band, who's got knee and shoulder and back injuries, they've given him the flick and they've now got in a Dutch guy who's going to be playing drums at this gig while uh, Larry recovers. So... The U2 uh, fan sites are going ape around the world because Larry uh, hasn't been permanently flicked, but he's been put on the bench, which uh, uh, I believe $1.2 million per concert speaks all languages, B. Oh, wow. I didn't know about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, for uh, for any In Excess versus U2 combatants out there, one to In Excess, zero to U2. So there we go. Hello, Pedro. <laughs> uh, but B, that's the news of the week. Hey, this is David from Derby. Hi, this is Katie from England. G'day, it's Paul from Sydney. Hi, this is Ella from the Netherlands. This is Dr. Jim and that's a wrap. Well, that was an excellent show, Hayden. Thank you very much. Learned a lot more about Elegantly Wasted. That was very, very cool. Looking forward to um, flipping um, the record and going into side two next week with you. Listeners out here, B, B and I, um, the wonders of editing, it's actually, we're still working our way through the new format, as it's there, but she's a soldier and well done to you, B. Thank you for putting up with me. I'm so glad you've said that after how many bloody episodes. <laughs> the amount of time, I think <laughs> if I wasn't grey at the beginning, I'm very grey now, having known you for not, how many years. You know, we're coming up to three years. I was thinking the other day we were two and a bit, but we're nearly three, aren't we? We're going to plan our third, third, year, our third year party again soon. Are we going to have another party? 
do you know what I was thinking we could do instead? Why don't we just go to Perth? Because it's around the same time. We could do it. What if we could do an international Zoom party around the world with everybody? That'd be cool. Okay, you can do that though. <laughs> you do that. You organise it and okay. you edit it. You okay. Can, you all can right, okay. sort all of that out. Hello, I Laurie. love you in your ideas. Hello, Laurie, my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Now, B, I have to give uh, kudos to you yesterday. Uh, you drew the raffle. Um, uh, I must uh, declare to listeners, I did have a rather late Saturday night and I, I did wake up a little bit late in the afternoon yesterday and I saw about six messages in a row going, can you be on in 15 minutes? I'd like to draw it this time. That's okay. I can do it. Yeah, I drew it. <laughs> so by the time I got the fifth message, <laughs> B had already drawn the winner of the raffle. So over to you, B. Tell us what happened with the raffle draw prize yesterday. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Let's tell Let's tell the real story here, That is the mate. real story. So we were recording on Saturday afternoon for this yes. show. And then halfway through, Hayden says, oh, I've got to go. I've got to go to a party and just yes. leaves me hanging. And then doesn't come back to me until four o'clock the next day and says, oh, I didn't get in till six o'clock um, and I've got a very bad hangover. So it's like- Well, you know me, I'm not a big drinker, but I only have to look I, at two beers and I go a bit dropper, you know? I don't know. I like me. I like me, who's had five red wines during this whole episode recording. That's yeah, true. Yeah, too right. I have to. <laughs> anyway, who won the raffle? <laughs> who won the raffle? Elves Dennis. Um, I did in in true blonde style. I um, I pressed um the button on um Instagram and I went live on Instagram and forgot to go live on right um <laughs> Facebook and everything. Right. So I had to do it twice. Okay, and I got too excited because. I had Ella in my head and I was like, oh, yes. gonna win. Ella's going to win because she bought something like eight tickets or something ridiculous. What, what region is she and in again? Elle's- no, but listen, but oh. I said Elle, I said Ella and it wasn't, it was Els. It was Els Dennis and Els Dennis is from Belgium. Hello, yeah. Els. She's uber excited yes. and she was so beautiful. Yes. She bought, I think, three or four tickets and she said, let me pay for my um, postage. It's going to cost you a lot of money. Went, Don't worry about that. We said we'll no, pay that's it. Fine. So no, we'll pay for that, that should be coming to you tomorrow. Yes, fantastic. Congratulations. And look again, thank you everyone else who entered, uh, all 50 of you and some of you bought multiple tickets, which we're very appreciative about. And uh, I do know that B has organised another raffle in a couple of weeks' time and she's holding it in her hand, B. Do you want to let people know what it is? Very timely, this one. I have. I have. Oh, I forgot to tell you about this after all our arguments this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Hayden, I do love you, but you you are a pain in the ass. Anyway, so can you see this? So Tim and Kirk sent us um, a box full of goodies and one of them was the elegantly wasted tour brochure that they had got planned for um, when they were in Australia, which never happened. Yeah, which is very sad and it's called Lose Your Head Tour. Um, It's got some new photos that I've never seen and there's one in particular, can you see that, of Michael writing his lyrics on a wall? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take a photo of that for you, Hayden, so you can see yes. it closer. So I reckon this is our new raffle prize. We won't limit the tickets on this, guys. You've just got to put, I think, $20 tickets. Again, what do you think, Hayden? Yeah, I think that's fine. And as I said again, you know, we we, we want to get great content out to you, unique things, things that are you know, unavailable on any other platforms and stuff like that and um, and within reasonable sort of price points. I mean, you know, if you think about the raffle ticket one for, for Michael in pictures, I mean, people are paying $1,000, $2,000 for that book and 
lot of you bought, you know, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100 dollars worth of tickets, maybe uh, 150 dollars worth of tickets. But um, again, we want to hopefully make the prizes go out worthwhile, you know, the investment. Um, we love a good raffle in Australia and overseas, don't we? We do, but let's just talk about this brochure. It's very, very rare. And this came from Kirk and Tim. Well, yes. it actually came from Tim. And then Tim, I gave it Tim back and him, him and Kirk have signed it. So it makes it even more rare. Not Man. only that, when we sold um, one on eBay, but was that about two years ago, wasn't it? It sold for over $600 without yeah. the sign- signatures. Yeah. So guys, this is uber rare and very mm. very um it's worth worth having in your collection i guess sort of wrapping things up a little bit b we've mentioned a bit of the guests for the next couple of weeks and things as well we would like to sort of go out a little bit today uh with two things one we'd like to say thank you to these patrons for listening in today i'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway let's all say hello to everybody outside about ten thousand people at least hello Well, hello to our honorary members, Tim Farris, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Richard Simpkins, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods, Darren Jones, and Paul Jolie. Our patrons, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Camia, Dr. Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack, Anne-Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Lisa, Linda, Yvonne, Amanda H, Amanda V, David, Tracy, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Val, Jim, Matey, Kelly, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Laurel, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Yari, Laos, Heidi, Paula, Lisa Urban, Angie, Nancy, Juliet, Scott, Anthea, Maria, Nicole, Tracy, Darren, Vern, Jamie, Diana, Stefan, Andrew, Georgie, Stephen, Keisha, Mark, Vern, Shane, Lachlan, Mandy Jane, Rachel, Nikki, Sula, Amy, Diana and Paul. And our special mentions to Sue D, Joe Robbins, John A. Vink, Michael Spriggs, Glenn Davis, Paul Boozy and Jay Finlayson. Welcome to the podcast everybody. As we go out today, I thought I would hand you the new ball this week and let you pick the song I've elegantly wasted that you like. Uh, what song would you like to play as a, one of your faves, uh, as a sort of tribute to this album? Okay, well, at the beginning of this show, I did say that it's actually my dad's birthday, my dad's 80th birthday, and I yes. would like to go out with the song Everything from the album, if I may. Oh, beautiful. A big tribute song to your dad. What's your dad's name again for the listeners? His name's Joe France. Joe France, okay. Big happy birthday to Joe. He is a darling, a sweetheart. He's the apple of B's eye. He is. And she's a chip off the old block. A big thank you to you, B. A uh, big thank you to being a great daughter to your dad, looking after him and his 
senior years. I know he's had a, a few mishaps in his time on the on the roads of Coffs Harbour, but he's fighting strong again, which is great. And I hope he had a lovely 80th birthday. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, everybody. Right. Like another one.